0: Hi again, Gary Zacharias with The Apologist Bookshelf. Great title here, unbelievable? Justin Brierley is the author, B-R-I-E-R-L-E-Y, Justin Brierley, subtitled, Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian. So uh, Justin started a radio program back on Premier Christian Radio in which he would uh, bring atheists And Christians together to discuss different issues. And at first, some people were a little hesitant or a little worried. Wow, you're going to give an atheist a broadcast time? And he said, sure, we need to hear what the other side has to say. And he's done this for 10 years. And so after the 10 years, he's decided to write a book about some of his experiences and to show why, despite hearing the best that atheists can do. And by the way, he's had some very famous atheists Involved in his show, why he still considers himself a Christian. Uh, Let me tell you just what a couple of people say about the book. One is Mike Lacona, he's a professor of theology, a a writer himself. He says, Briarly stands at the top of those who host high quality podcasts on religious matters. This book is a great read, and I would agree with that. Tim Keller, famous pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church. This is a highly readable survey of the reasons for Christian faith. And at the end of his uh, little comment section, Believers and non-believers and the many in between will all be helped by this volume. Frank Turek comments on it, favorably Sean McDowell. He says this book is a must-read. And then I want to share something with Dr. Holly Ordway. Um, We know Holly. She came to our apologetics class years ago. She wrote a book called Not God's Type, an atheist academic lays down her arms. Anyway, here's what she has to say. She says uh, he does a twofold apologetic talking about uh, Justin. First, he gives reasons why he is indeed still a Christian after all those conversations with atheists. And then I like what she says here. Second, he demonstrates that genuine dialogue is both possible and fruitful. And I think that's so important. You know, today we get people that have a particular viewpoint. And they pound it and pound it, and they don't really want dialogue. They just want to go off and uh, talk about their position. And if they have somebody else on, it's an argumentative clash, it's uh, loud, it's abrasive. And uh, that's not what Justin Brierley does. So first of all, if you're interested and you want to listen to him uh, doing his podcast, go to premierchristianradio.com unbelievable. Okay, so that, you ought to check that out. Uh, I've heard him interviewed, and he's an excellent person to talk to, a wonderful individual. John Lennox also praises his book. Anyway, so let's get to the book itself. Unbelievable why after 10 years of talking with atheists, I'm still a Christian, and he does things like this, has chapters, God makes sense of human existence, God makes sense of human value, God makes sense of human purpose. One chapter is called, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? He tackles the resurrection. He spends a whole chapter talking about something that all of us have to wrestle with, not just Christians, but atheists as well. And that's the problem of pain and suffering in this world. <clears throat> he has a chapter about dealing with Richard Dawkins. But what I'd like to do is actually toward the end of the book, I found this fascinating. He said uh, he said he wants to bring out five of the most common popular objections that he didn't cover in the book that he has heard over and over again coming out of the New Atheists over the past 10 years or so. And so these are the the five items I'd like to talk about that he's heard over and over again. I've heard these too. Here's number one. He hears this often. Atheism is simply lack of belief in God. But you know in the past atheism was defined as believing your belief that you don't think there's a God. But he's saying now atheists or some of them are switching and saying, no, it's lack of belief in God. And Justin says, what he thinks is going on here is it's a move to push the burden of proof completely on a person who believes there's a God, a, a theist. Because if you say, well, look, I just lack belief in God, what they're really saying is, I'm open. Come on. i uh, I'm justified. You've got to come up with all sorts of convincing evidence. I don't have to produce any evidence. You do. You're the one that says you have a belief. I'm saying I lack a belief. And so what what an atheist is saying basically is atheism is like a default position that people are born with, and then you've got to persuade me or indoctrinate me to believe that there's a God. Well, Justin doesn't uh, like that position. He said it makes an atheist actually indistinguishable from an agnostic I mean, somebody who hasn't yet decided whether God exists also lacks belief in God, but that's not what atheists are calling themselves. So it's it's kind of hiding there. It's really the same idea that there is no God. Well, and then he says, uh, regarding this too, he said, you know, you think about it, most atheists, many atheists at least, adopt naturalism. Well, that is a worldview. And that's a worldview that has a lot to say about reality and the universe and all and and they they're going to have to defend this position. So, for example, if you're a naturalist, if you're a part of naturalism, you believe that the universe and all of its laws, it's just a brute fact. You don't need an explanation. It's just there. Deal with it. They don't believe there's purpose nor design in the universe. No, no, these are positions that they must defend, but they're wanting to tell you oh, we just lack a belief. No, they have a belief set. What else does a person who adopts naturalism believe? That everything that exists is just physical matter and energy. Life just came about by chance. Good and evil are human constructs and on and on and on. So these things need defending. There is no default position, Justin says. Everybody's got to give a reason for why they believe what they believe about reality. Okay, here's number two. So number one is, oh, we atheists, uh, it's just simply lack of belief in God. No, it really is believing that there is no God and they have their reasons. And then the question is, are they good reasons? Here's number two. God didn't create humans. Humans created God. And so what they're saying there is there was an evolutionary explanation. Why do people believe in a God? Well, it, it's hardwired into us because there are evolutionary benefits that come around. So there are all sorts of positive things that come about. For example, it it glues your community together. It it helps control social behavior. You know, you better stop doing that, God'll get you. It gives explanations for things that we don't understand. You scratch your head, boom, there's lightning out there, and you go, Well, I don't know, maybe it's a God. It helps people face hardships of life and on and on. So the atheist says, Okay, at one time those were all reasonable ideas, but of course now we know much more, and those were superstitions, and we should move on. Well, Justin says, but atheists also point out, remember there there are all these social positives about religions, and that's why they were born into us because of evolution, but he says, Atheists are equally likely to point out all sorts of social ills that are caused by religion. Now, wait a minute. I thought he said, an atheist said, I don't believe in God, but early people did because it helped them. Now he's saying, wait a minute, no, it's it's bad. It's causing social ills. So you've got to have one way or another. How could it be both? If it's got bad features, why did it get evolutionarily passed along? And he says, you know, besides that, Christian belief is very specific about particular historical events around Jesus Christ. It's not a fuzzy evolutionary process. And he says there's nothing about these positive benefits about belief in God that would be inconsistent with them being true. I mean, if God exists, then you would get all these positive things. It would be innate. It would be widespread. So he said there are all sorts of good, rational reasons to believe in God, and he's covered them in the book. So he said uh, there, there's, it's not a problem in believing in a God. Here's number three, and this is the third thing that he says is going on out there. People say, well, atheists will say, so out of the thousands of religions, yours just happens to be right? Pretty sarcastic, huh? Well, what's that claim really saying? Well, first, that Christians are arrogant. Come on, all these religious claims and you think you've got the truth? And then he says, "I like this, Justin says there's an implicit objection that if Christianity were true, there shouldn't be all this diversity of other religions that exist all over the world. Now that's, I thought that was an interesting point. So what, how does he take this on? Well, Justin says, you know, that first criticism the fact that, gee, out of all of the religious beliefs, only yours is correct. He said, that cuts both ways. Atheists think they have the truth. So a Christian might just spin right around and say to an atheist, so, out of the thousands of beliefs about the way the world really is, yours is the one that just happens to be right? In fact, Brierley says that it could be argued that Christianity is actually more open to diversity of beliefs than atheism. Why is that? Because Christians can affirm some of the truths of other religions, like there being a creator God or you know how to treat other people. But he says, you know, atheism denies there's any truth in any religious claim. So they're far more narrow-minded in a sense. So I thought that was good. So what about this second objection here that he says is part of it? They're saying, well, why are there other religions if Christianity is true? And he said, well, It's kind of like the idea of the problem of evil. Why would a good God allow so many people to be deceived into believing in false religions? But Brierley says, I don't see it that way. I mean, the fact that there are all these religions in the world, that's a sign that there is a shared consciousness, that something beyond ourselves really exists. I think as Ecclesiastes, it talks about God placing eternity in our hearts. And what uh, Brierley focuses on is not that Part of the Bible, he looks at Acts 17 when Paul speaks to the Athenians, and he says, "Boy, you guys have all sorts of objects of worship, altars all over the place." And he, in other words, Paul said, "You have a, a an awareness, and everybody has this universal awareness as a law way down inside our hearts." And so he says there is a universal search for God, and in a world of free human beings, and we have this fallen nature. We shouldn't be surprised to see all these different religious expressions emerge. But the Christian vision, he says, is a hopeful one that all true searching finds its goal in Jesus Christ. Well, I think that's good. He also says, well, what about those people that perish without hearing of Jesus? And he said, well, John 14 does say nobody uh, comes to the Father except through him. But he says, I'm humble enough to recognize that God is the judge, and he can judge the heart of every true seeker. And he said whether he knew the name of Christ or not, and I'm I'm fully in agreement with that. He says if God is the God of perfect justice, then there's not going to be anybody, none of us, can stand before him on the final day and say, hey, I was treated unfairly. Okay, here's a fourth uh, complaint that atheists raise. A God who'd send me to hell for not believing in him isn't worth worshiping. He said, well, sometimes we have a bad picture of what, what hell and heaven are. We think hell has those imps running around and roasting people, and you've got a devil with uh, a fork and uh, a spear and, and chasing people down, red-hot pokers, and in heaven you're sitting around playing harps. So he said, we have a really poor picture of what hell Is probably like, and heaven is really like. He said, You know, the question that really has to come out at this point when an atheist thinks about heaven, the atheist has to ask, Would I want to live there? And it depends on the atheist. Do you want that kind of God? Even if you believed that He was there, would you want to spend eternity with Him? And he quotes an atheist philosopher, Thomas Nagel, and I use this quote a lot when I'm speaking on different topics. Nagel was pretty honest. He said, I want atheism to be true, and I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. See there are a lot of people, Justin says, who are independent and they don't want to bend their knee to this kind of God. He quotes uh, C.S. Lewis, who said there are two kinds of people. Some say to God, thy will be done. But then you've got some to whom God says, thy will be done. So, in other words, you're choosing hell. God's not going to force you to love him. And some people are going to choose separation. You know, I think about Christopher Hitchens. I've heard him speak, uh, read some of his material. He loathes the idea of God. He compares him to a North Korean dictator. So can you imagine dragging Christopher Hitchens into heaven? He would, he would go kicking and screaming. He would hate that. You know, another thing that I would just bring up here, uh, it's not in Justin's book, but this idea of we go to hell because we don't believe in uh, Jesus or believe in God, that's really not why people go to hell, is it? We go to hell because of sin. That's the human nature. That's our problem. Jesus is the solution. It's, it's not the problem of failing to believe. We're able to take the righteousness of Jesus and stand before God in the righteousness of Christ. Here's the last one, number five. Religion is to blame for all the evil and conflict in the world. Uh, He mentions Christopher Hitchens again. He had a book, God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. But he said, you know, he said, yeah, religion has messed up in some cases. But he said, take a look at what Christianity has done over the years. Healthcare, education, social provision, human rights, literature, art, music, they all have roots in Christianity. It was Christians that built hospitals and schools, founded universities, institutions, created great classical works of art and music. And sure, we've got the dark side, but it's not the main cause of evil. It's been good and evil, unfortunately. It's not inherently evil, it's just that it can be misused. And of course, if you think about Jesus' words the people who killed in his name or tortured in his name did so against what Jesus commanded as far as loving our enemies. Well, What about this thing about religion is the main cause of war? Is that true? No. Justin says, according to research that's been done, only 10% of all the wars in the 20th and now the 21st century have a clear religious motivation. And in fact, it's the atheistic totalitarian states. Think of Stalin's Russia and Mao's China. They have perpetrated far more mass murder than any state that's governed by religious faith. In fact, uh, the positive role of religion has tried to end uh, conflicts. And uh, the quote from this research says, Very few, if any, wars in the past 100 years have been purely religious wars. So these are five things that uh, Briarley takes on toward the end of his book that he hears a lot coming from atheists. And I think he does an excellent job. So you might want to listen to him one more time, premierchristianradio.com forward slash unbelievable. I know you'd like the book. It reads very informally. He tells you about some of his encounters with different people like Richard Dawkins and how he started this thing and uh, what some of the initial reaction was. So it's personal and as well as really good apologetics. Okay, well, thanks. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.